This is Business with Benefits, because there are so many things you get from business besides dollar signs. I'm on this journey with you, and I'm your host, Daryl Perry, aka the guy with the bow tie. You made it this far, so let's get into it. All right, folks, it is the guy with the bow tie checking in with you live for another edition of Business with Benefits. You'll see something interesting today. We have two bow ties on your screen that has not happened yet. <laughs> Reed, no, I messed your name up already, Reed. Jeez, you told me not to mess it up and I'm messing it up. Um, Reed has decided to join me on LinkedIn Live with Business of Benefits and wear a bow tie where nobody else has done that. So this is a first time in history that Business of Benefits had two bow ties on the screen. So Reed, how you doing? It's a great day. How about you, Daryl? Perfect. Um, just figuring out this new normal with everything kind of still closed but still open. So, uh, how's things in Texas? It's a little warm down here today, uh, but uh, I love it in the springtime here, and uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Everybody's, awesome. of course, uh, inside as much as possible, but got out for a uh, walk early this morning, and uh, the sunrise was beautiful. And the uh, the uh, Blue Angels just flew over uh, our town here about 11 o'clock this morning, came through Dallas and then uh, made a quick trip down to Houston and saw some of our team down uh, down there as well today. So it's a, we're feeling very uh, uh, red, white, and blue today. <laughs> Good, I love it. Well, one thing I want to open up with is uh, the Canada connection. Uh, I didn't know yeah. that before, but you're from Canada, right? Yeah, I grew up in the Canadian Rockies and uh, was born in America, uh, born a Canadian, but I'm American by choice. So I went to college in Canada for health administration at the University of Victoria. So anybody who knows Vancouver Island and Victoria, it's a beautiful spot. Uh, I worked in Canada for about a couple of a couple of years. I worked for the Canadian government for a little bit in the healthcare system there, and I worked for a hospital. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I skipped the border here. Uh, <laughs> uh, a few decades ago, and uh, I lived in Seattle for a long time, and then uh, I lived in Dallas as well now. So, I love yeah. you skipped the border. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, political refugee <laughs> from those we're nice not, Canadians. We're not going to start out that way with this one, but how's it going, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Want to say thank you to hashtag Team Live and hashtag Team Replay. We already have Marcello Anthony checking or Marcello checking in, saying hashtag Team Live. He's in Atlanta. Um, check out his show. He has a show. He's going to do 6.30 today, I believe. He does a live show as well. But um, for those that don't know you, I follow Fresh Bennies for a long time. and know what you guys are doing. But for those that don't know Fresh Bennies, kind of let them know who you are and why you should know something about telemedicine. Sure. Uh, in today's market, well, let's just talk before March. Yeah. Um, healthcare costs have been going up for decades, right? Our personal amount that we spend every year has been going up. And working inside the healthcare system, it isn't any simpler for me than it is for um, all of you out there. And I know that when you touch the system and you try to find your way around the healthcare system, one of, one of the things you figure out is it's like you're playing a game that you don't, you know that somebody knows the rules to it and you don't feel like you know the rules. And for years, we as an industry have told um, members, you know, that people are getting um, employee benefits and health insurance and other, um, you know, using the healthcare system. Go, be a better consumer, mm -hmm. um, ask questions, engage and use the system in the smartest way. 
but like like I said, you're playing this game where you don't know the rules, and you're like, okay, well, I'm supposed to be a better consumer. What are the tools? Mm. And um, we saw this was an issue. I used for many years. I worked on the health insurance side of the world, and ten um, years ago, eleven years ago, the Affordable Care Act was ramping up. We were seeing even then that people's out-of-pocket costs were starting to to raise up pretty high in parts of the country. And uh, we knew that there were some of these tools out there like telemedicine or advocacy services or savings networks, um, but that um, they needed to be delivered in a way that people could make sense of. So we created Fresh Bennies to be a consolidator of these various consumerism tools. Uh, so we've been at this for, well, we're in our 11th year of providing these kinds of services to employers and individuals all over the country. Awesome. So what made you yeah. guys, I mean, why, why Fresh Benny? I heard you the story of playing the game the right way and know the rules. Was it out of frustration more so, or we're just trying to advocate for the people? Uh, advocate for the people. Um, at that point in time, I... I saw that those of us that were inside the health insurance industry very often said, well, yeah, this batch of employees or these individuals are gonna get this higher out of pocket cost plan, but you know what, it's the one they can afford. Mm -hmm. So what, there's these other tools that they can access out here. It's not really my business to deliver these tools. Mm -hmm. And um, I was getting frustrated that we as a employee benefits industry or health insurance industry weren't making it our business to make sure that those tools were being used. And um, I was actually building a business plan for the company I was working for. They said no twice, so on the third time I said, great, I'm gonna go do this on my own. And uh, I quit and I started um, uh, Fresh Benny's and um, took me a few years to really find where was the niche in the market. Man, we were starving for the first, as a, as a company for the first couple of years at least until we really figured out exactly what we needed to do and how to message it. Mm -hmm. And uh, something like telehealth, which we're gonna talk about today, was a core part of it right from the very beginning. But it's always mm -hmm. been a matter of, let's make sure that people can figure out how to use this and that, that it's practical for them and delivered in a way that's real easy to use. Mm -hmm. And uh, to this day, um, we've saved people over $80 million in unnecessary medical claims to this day. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, when it gets used, these services are fantastic. <laughs> and I bring this to an interesting point, I mean, this is the first time, you know, the, the president has mentioned telemedicine from the Oval Office that, hey, you use telemedicine, so right. how much has telehealth kind of grown in the last 11, 10 years than you've been doing this? Yeah, well, with everything that's happened with the coronavirus, it absolutely should have been mentioned by the president and every media outlet. And I don't know how many jillion media connections were made uh, in the month of March and April for people saying, don't go into your doctor's office. Use telemedicine as a first pass on everything. Don't go into an urgent care center. Don't go into an emergency room unless you have to. Use telemedicine. Uh, a lot of people in the country through their medical plans, for example, had access to it. They just didn't know that it was even there. Yeah. And there was a fee attached to it, so that was one more reason not to use it. But you know, uh, it, you know, it's vanity statistics for for people to say, well, tens of millions of people had access to telehealth, if only a few million people were making use of it in a year, and that was about what the stats were up until March. Mm -hmm. So what happened starting March fifteenth was all kinds of people were trying to figure out, okay, I think I might have access to this somewhere. Where do I have access? 
If I do, how do I use this? And so there were, there were literally millions of people trying to access the system that they have never used before to get that first visit, build out a little bit of a health profile and actually uh, have it available to them. So no question, uh, the telehealth industry got slammed. Different companies, some are saying that their uh, visit rates jumped by 50% in the month of March and April. Uh, some it was 100%. Um, no question, uh, it, it dramatically increased. Um, somebody said to me uh, yesterday that I was talking to from one of the other companies, he said, I think what happened was we had two years of growth shoved into two months. And I think that's <laughs> probably pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so awareness is up, but it doesn't mean that a lot of people have figured out what to do with it, um, mm -hmm. either for themselves or if they're an employer, uh, for what to do with it with their employees. Okay, and a, a common question I get with this, because of me being in the benefit space, telemedicine has been a yeah. part of my practice for a while. Um, a lot of people, they just they look at me sideways at what's telemedicine, what's the televisit? So what <laughs> actually can you use it for and what does it encompass for people that have been afraid to use it so far? Yeah, well, let me go back and tell you an 11-year-old story. Because 11 years ago, I was testing out telemedicine for the company that I was working for. And I didn't think it was valid. I didn't think it was going to be a good experience, but I signed up for this test membership. And it was right about this time of year. I just planted flowers in the spring, but I ended up to get in, uh, in the yard into some um, poison ivy. And so uh, I planted on Saturday, Sunday, my legs were all itchy. And I thought, well, maybe this will go away. And Monday morning I woke up and was really starting to rash. And, but I didn't have, I had a very busy day at work and then had dinner plans and whatnot. So didn't get off to the doctor, didn't get off to the urgent care center. Um, came home that night and I thought, well, I really am pretty sure they're not going to be able to help me with poison ivy over the phone, <laughs> but I'm going to give this a try. And so uh, I had taken a few minutes and filled in a little bit of a health profile. And then I just said, uh, uh, you, I called into the line and said, I think I have poison ivy. Um, can you have a doctor call me? And they said, sure, where are you calling from? And I said, Dallas, Texas. And they said, okay, well, we're putting the beeper call out to all the Texas-based doctors who mm -hmm. are uh, able to take this visit, and uh, one will call you back in a few minutes. And about six minutes later, I'm on the phone. I have about a six-minute phone call, and, and the way I describe it is, I had a physical exam over the phone, and I had no concept of what, like, who has a physical exam over the phone? And yet, physician, you know, we're so used to going knee-to-knee -knee with them, and that they'll poke and prod us, and sometimes they'll talk with us and tell us what they're checking for, and sometimes they don't. And so instead, what they did was they had taught doctors to um, talk with us. They just asked us the question. So he said, okay, so is there a red mark or a white mark? Is it flat to your skin or is there a bump? Is it warm to the touch? Does it itch more at night or during the day? And after a few minutes of talking, he said, you know, yeah, I'm 90% sure you have um, poison ivy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write you a prescription. You can pick it up at your local pharmacy. Um, it'll be ready in an hour. And... Um, Take this, and at the end of two weeks, if the itching comes back, it says that if something else goes to your regular provider at that time. So here I was about six minutes in, it's 10.36 at night now, I hang up the phone and I just start laughing. And I go, <laughs> oh my gosh, I had no idea that that experience could be that simple. Yep. If all of our clients understood what telehealth could do for them, everybody would love this because for the simpler things, cold, flu, sinus infection, bladder infection, pink eye, poison ivy, bronchitis, the, hey, my kid has a bump on their leg. <laughs> yes. It's 10 o'clock at night on Saturday. Do I lose father of the month? 
if I don't take my kid into the emergency room right now because it's the only place that's open. Yep. And for for half of the entire week, the only place that's open is the most expensive, most technologically advanced medical room in the entire city that we live in, and that is the yep. emergency room. You step into an emergency room, it's going to be a $1,200 average bill, period. It just is. And yeah. so um, being able to uh, see that this experience could work this well, and it was as practical as it was, and that was 11 years ago. Um, <laughs> I uh, was very intrigued at how this could dramatically help the people be better consumers mm -hmm. of their health care and could really empower them to say, on all this simpler stuff, I yep. don't have to go in. What's coming up in, and being written about a lot in the last couple of weeks is the reason that all these different rules had to be put in place through the, the stimulus package is that a doctor, you know, used to take phone calls back in the 80s and 70s. Yeah, doctor would take phone calls all the time. They, they wouldn't get paid for it. So they started shutting off their phone lines and just saying, well, you have to come in because I don't get paid. I can take 200 phone calls in a day or I can see a bunch of patients and actually get paid and still have a business. And um, uh, while they, they, the government, uh, has pushed for um, a lot more telemedicine this last month or two, it doesn't mean that every single provider in the system was prepared for it or every single medical plan was set up for it. Mm -hmm. So it's played out very differently for different people around the country. But, um, but it was completely the right thing for the, for, the, for the system, especially in a very... Um, difficult environment like we are with the coronavirus yeah. to, um, uh, to have telehealth. Yeah, and speaking of difficult environment, I want to make sure I check in with the audience real quick. We had uh, yeah. Richard Dobbs. He's out here in Johns Creek, Georgia. He said, Richard. Shout, out, shout out from Johns Creek. Um, Marcello actually said, double the bow tie, double the pleasure. So that's funny. <laughs> um, I asked the audience that they ever used um, telemedicine and Marcello said, I have not. However, a few of my customers have and they love it. And um, I wanted to kind of circle back on that because the bedside manner, you went through a telecall, like it wasn't even video. You wasn't even video. We didn't... Yeah, there was no video 11 years ago. No, not 11 so years ago. Now, I mean, I've had clients that have said, um, I had a client that his, his son jumped off a boxcar, got an all rash in his arm, and the dad's like, I really don't want to go to the urgent care just to get a, a antibiotic cream that I know what the issue is. So he whipped his phone out, said, hey, Dot, look at my kid's arm. <laughs> and um, he was been in probably like 10 minutes, like, this is awesome. I could do it at home, at the beach, at the store, wherever I want to, and be done in a matter of minutes, and there was no copay. So okay. with everything going on, coronavirus, obviously when it's say we're from sick people, but have you seen people have better bedside manner as a result of doing telemedicine versus the in-person visit, or at least the experience is better for people? Um, the ratings for telehealth physician visits is extremely high. Across okay. the industry, there's a lot of different vendors that that um, uh, uh, make telehealth visits available. And the ratings are always 95% or higher that people say this was a good or excellent experience and I would do this again. Okay. Um, and just like your uh, friend referenced, it's so much simpler than, than the hassle of time and money to go into an urgent care center yep. or uh, sometimes to run off to your doctor or sometimes to end up in an emergency room. Like mm -hmm. people don't want to do that for the simple stuff like that. Like, okay, yes, he's going to need something antibiotic, but I need somebody to actually advise me. Is this a big deal or is this not? So it, sh it, it should just become people's first step yep. before engaging, unless you got a severed arm. If you have a <laughs> severed arm, 
Like if that arm was severed or broken, yeah, go straight to the emergency room and don't worry about um, the details on it, right? It's funny you or say that. that. That's my reference all the time. If your arm is oh. broken, don't use telemedicine. Like just use common sense. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it's a few minutes and and uh, some programs have a visit fee attached to it that might be $45 or $65 or $75 on it. Some are programs um, where that's all been prepaid, so there's no cost to use it. Um, so if you have a no cost one, use it all the time earlier. <laughs> like it's okay to be an overuser because overall the healthcare system is better off if you engage there first instead of uh, somewhere more complicated. Um, yeah. But I don't think I quite answered your question, did I? You were asking about what is the experience being better? I mean, I know for that job uh, and he was happy. So I've seen some studies that are saying that people have a better experience because one, they're comfortable. I mean, there's this song and dance we go through for the doctor of you need to go to the office, but you can't look like a, a, a bum. You got to be dressed presentably. You got to be clean. So when you're at home, you can probably just whip out your phone and it just happened. Like you mentioned poison ivy. That's the worst time to want to go out the house is if you got poison ivy in your face and your arm, you really don't want to get out the house. So. I imagine in Fresh Benny's they're probably seeing that the doctors have a better time and maybe the customers have a better time because everybody's transparent and they're like, hey, I'm chilling right now, let's talk. You know, you bring that up when you go into the doctor's office and you wait all the time you do and you, yep. the average doctor's visit might be, you know, for the simpler visits, it's just like four minutes long, right? Yep. Okay, well, it's four minutes, you got your prescription, you're out of there and mostly you're basically ticked that you had to sit in the office for 45 minutes just to have your four minute visit. Yep. And yet, with telehealth, two things happened there. It was easier for you on the way in. You didn't have to wait a huge amount of time in a waiting room. You know, you got your flu head and you're wearing a blanket and a house coat. You know, like you didn't have to put yourself in that situation. But think about it from the doctor's standpoint as well. Um, when they get on that video visit, they're on that video visit and they've mm -hmm. got a little bit of a health profile on you, a little bit of your medical history that's built into the to the um, system that they are working through. Uh, mm -hmm. It's giving them guidance. They're answering questions about what your symptoms are. They're being reminded of best practices or what to, to listen for. Mm -hmm. they, they tend to be a longer than average call. Uh, the, the average telehealth call tends to be longer than the average uh, in-office visit. And most people would say the doctors seemed like they weren't near as rushed, and they very much appreciate that. Um, they don't say things like, "You can't ask me that question about that other issue," you know, because mm -hmm. uh, it's they're they're there for that visit, and if it entails two or three different questions, have it be two or three different questions. Whereas if you're in that doctor's office, sometimes that's not as um, it's not as set up for the two or three questions because you were being coded as for one specific type of visit. Um, and then the other thing is that certain doctors, you know, all doctors are being pulled into telemedicine right now. Some yeah. will stick with it in some way and some are gonna say, I really don't like providing care that way. Uh, so partly it was um, self-selection, yeah. but most doctors who choose to work through telemedicine um, very much appreciate giving care that way. Mm -hmm. um, and the, we work with multiple vendors over the years, but all of them really treated their doctor panel as a very um, uh, important thing that they wanted to make sure they had the right doctors providing yeah. telemedicine. And so they'll, like the one, one of the ones that I work with, I know they'll review the first 10 visits that a doctor provides on telemedicine. They'll review every single one, listen to the whole thing, give guidance and coaching on, mm, you know, you should have talked the person through this or you didn't, 
tell them what the next experience is going to be on them picking up their prescription, you know, those kinds of things. And so they'll give them some guidance. Uh, but if they hear that this is a doctor who does not play well over the phone or over video, mm-hmm. they'll pull them. And they have no problem doing that. Just saying, yeah, you're not, this isn't working out for you. So um, you're not going to remain on our panel because the telehealth world relies heavily on having that 95% or, or better um, uh, experience. So um, it just, it does tend to play into a very practical, we always say uh, the work is getting somebody to try it the very first time. <laughs> yes. After they try it, that person is probably going to, they and their family will probably use telehealth three times that next year. Well, that's super interesting thing to bring up as well, because part of this issue, when we wait so long for a doctor, it's, they're busy. I mean, there's one doctor and there's probably 50 patients a day coming in there. So there's a study showing that in the course of time, I want to say it's 2030 or 2025, we'll be short 100,000 doctors for the population we have. So um, what do you see the trend happening to telemedicine as a result of us having a doctor shortage coming up? Well, that study, which is by the American College of uh, Medical um, physicians, um, American yeah, Medical School College, uh, they have been tracking how many doctors are out there and how many doctors are going to be needed based upon the population and the projected visits. And mm-hmm. they've been watching that for years. And it, the study actually says that by 2030, we'll be short between 40,000 and 100,000 physicians, depending upon different factors. Well, mm-hmm. one of those factors is... Um, whether or not we tap physicians to be focused quickly on the things that are most important for them to be focused on. So things like good use of telemedicine might mean that instead of us being short 100,000 physicians in 2030, it might be closer to that 40,000 that are short. Just because if we can be more efficient with a physician's time, with telemedicine so that we use telemedicine for as many of the simpler visits as we can. And we keep them out of blocking up the doctor's office. So that's the stuff that's showing up in the doctor's office or the urgent care center or the emergency room are the most important things. Then you're using this, the whole healthcare system. You're making good use of the resources that are there. And so um, there's no question. Everybody looks at it and says telemedicine works because what you're able to do is you know, and, and, it, and it fits with the question of, well, who are these doctors? Right. Um, they're not typically a salaried physician or a physician who's only doing telemedicine. Okay. It's, it's not a phone bank full of um, uh, doctors sitting next to each other just taking calls. Most of them are physicians who, throughout their regular practice, have said, you know what? I'll pick up some telehealth visits when they fit in and amongst the rest of my day. Now, mm-hmm. most physicians for their day are fairly busy with their own practice, but some of them aren't. Let's say that you're uh, in East Texas and it's two o'clock in the morning and you're, little, you're, you're the doctor at a little uh, emergency room in, in a little uh, East Texas town and nothing's going on and all of a sudden the beeper call comes and you go, oh, hey, somebody needs a telehealth visit. Well, I'm gonna pick this up and the doctor's gonna get paid for that visit. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't get paid as much as they would for a regular visit, but that doctor makes a few bucks, and they fit it into their day, and the patient got served, and you know. Uh, yeah, they're just and, sitting there anyway. You might as well make some money while you're sitting there. <laughs> and across the entire physician population around the country, you start to get thousands of these physicians available at any given time to take that. Um, mm. It's been interesting to see you're able to fit a lot more visits in 
short, simple, it's a simple care. Nine times out of 10, the physician's addressing the issue there and solving it. And one time out of 10, they're self telling them, hey, this is a bigger deal. You need to go in and talk to somebody. But mm -hmm. like that still happens in a relatively fast period of time. And they can fit that in and amongst their day. That's a good efficient use of the physicians that are available for us. And so the more telehealth, the less physician shortage we're gonna have come the next 10 years. It makes a lot of sense because it's kind of spreading the, the risk out there and the usage. And Mar Marcello had a good comment. He said, the doc is a nail biter. Uh, going to the doctor makes you nervous. And I mean, <laughs> it just does, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look up on WebMD, I, I try to tell people all the time, never Google your symptoms unless you want to scare yourself. Because if you go on WebMD, you put in fever, COVID-19 might be the first thing that pops up and you really could have a sinus infection or something. So um, having telemedicine has been a great way to reduce the, the fear and the anxiety you have of going to the doctor. So who are the main people that when you look at the stats for Fresh Bennies, who are the high utilizers of telemedicine usually? Is it the millennial, the family, the older person? Our biggest users are the biggest users of the current healthcare system, and that is children. Ah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. When you're under 10 years old, you see a doctor, you touch it, the, the medical system 12 times a year. Now, it's checkups, it's this, it's uh, it's shots, it's um, it's the kid who fell off the the um, rail car, you know, it was me as a kid tripping, breaking this, breaking that, cutting this, cutting that. You're touching the system a lot, and then you kind of settle in, and then you hit this age where you, uh, like, in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you're not going to the doctor that often, and then it starts to rise up again. And by the time you hit 65, you're going back in six times a year. By the time you hit 70, it's going back up to around that 10 times a year. When it's when it's for older folks, a lot of it is much more significant care. Mm -hmm. The average American will will go in and see a physician three, just about three and a half times per year. Mm -hmm. But it's not evenly distributed, right? Some of us are sitting here saying, there's no way I'd see the doctor three and a half times a year. <laughs> no, well, you wouldn't, but your kids would. And so for us, where we see our highest utilizers, it's families. Mm -hmm. And it's families because to us, we count one household is like for, for fresh pennies, you know, it's specific to us. Uh, many telehealth programs work this way. Some do, some don't. Some are just attached to a person. For us, if you're a Fresh Benny's member, that membership is available for you and your legal dependents, which is probably your spouse and your kids. Those are their legal dependents still. And that's, that's one membership is good for the family. Hmm. Well, yeah, some of those are single dudes. They use us however much they need to use us. That's good. And sometimes, you know, the Duggar family isn't one of our clients, but I wish I wish they were, because I always <laughs> reference, if, it, if they were the Duggar family, that's one family. But uh, the uh, those who have kids, so when we when we look at it by who the actual member is, mm -hmm. that member household, um, families in that, you know, when are, when are the biggest kid years? It's 30s and 40s, right? So it's, mm -hmm. um, it's millennials and it's uh, some of the Gen Xers, those who have families are the biggest users. And then the other is, um, Here's an interesting stat. Um, our female members use us literally twice as much as our male mm. members. That makes why would that guys be? Never, guys never like taking care of themselves. That's why, like, I'm fine. Nothing is wrong with me. I'm okay. <laughs> it's partly true. Guys actually, once they figure out telemedicine, they love it. Because they what they really hate is they hate going in. They don't want to be poked and prodded and hassled yes. going in. When they learn that they can, it's like your dad who you just mentioned there. Once he's figured this out the first time, 
his first pass is always going to be, well, let's just call and we'll see if it's a deal or not. Because I don't want to go in. I don't want to spend the hundred bucks. I don't want to, you know, we're, we're about don't spend money. We don't have to. And do not waste my, uh, what are we today? Thursday. Wednesday. Don't waste my Wednesday evening by going out and spend three hours in a repair center, right? Right. And so once they figure us out, they should be they should be just as engaged as mm-hmm. women, but they're not. Do you think that and, explains why sometimes um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but some employers no. you see that have fresh venues have a higher usage? Like, why do you think that it is that some employers have a higher usage of telemedicine than other employers that don't have a high usage? Is it yeah. demographic or just an explanation? Uh, it's both. Uh, okay. No question, some of it is tied to demographics. Okay. Um, if it happens to be a, uh, an employer that has a whole lot of families, we know it has much more potential. But, um, and I'll address the, the, the female question. We believe the female question has a lot more to do with who's making the call when your kid is sick. Because mm-hmm. we said kids are driving it, right? Yep. More often, it's mom that'll be tied to making that call for one of her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's that's one of the things. The other is they they are um, they tend to be a little more um, tied to knowing um, the financials of going to the doctor and the hassle of going to the doctor, um, and so they uh, tend to be more open minded to trying that kind of approach. Okay. Um, your other question is. Uh, what do we see amongst different employers? So our normal sale for, for folks that are listening is uh, two employers. And it might be two employers as few as a few employees on up to a few thousand employees. But that's where most of our client base is. So that an employer, most of them, they're providing health insurance, but they're providing a higher and higher out-of-pocket cost than they ever did before. And they'll pair of fresh pennies alongside that to kind of balance out that higher out-of-pocket cost. Okay. Because an average family that uses us will save a few hundred to a few thousand bucks a year. Um, and so our normal customer base is employers. We also sell to individuals, but by far most of our business is through employers. So your question is, what do we see after you have installed fresh bedding into a couple thousand employers all over the country? Uh, we've learned a lot about what are the factors that make sure that people engage and use it. And after okay. the first couple of years with Fresh Bennies, it was an important thing for us. I told you those first couple of years, we were really trying to figure out how we could help. And we were installing in some employers and nobody was using it. And we hated to see that. And a year later, the employer would drop the service. Mm-hmm. And, and my answer is, you should. If nobody's going to use this, you shouldn't be paying for this for people. So we made it our business to make sure that our, our, our key distinction was going to be, how can we make sure that these... Uh, members will use the service and love it and therefore the employers will keep paying for it and therefore we'll continue <laughs> to have a business and so that became our distinction in the marketplace okay so we know that um, it's not the kind of thing that just gets installed in a half an hour of open enrollment once a year and maybe that open mm-hmm. enrollment is in October and your uh, employer and your broker come in and they tell you about everything about all your benefits and it's the last you hear about it until October of next year. And then they come back and they go, okay, all your benefits this year. And some stuff, most of us are mostly just listening to what's going on with our medical plan this year. Yeah. How much more is this going to cost me? And I know there's some other benefits. It's easy to forget about some of the additional services. Mm-hmm. So if Fresh Benny's, um, we know some things about if it's launched well, 
with executive support or if the consultant or broker who works with us does uh, a little bit of a good little description on um, uh, fresh pennies, that's dramatically good. And our biggest thing is we, we can tell that it's going to get some good usage if we can get members to engage and either log into the portal or um, download their app. Um, we still issue uh, member packets if there's some employees who don't want to use a portal or, a, or a, an app. But we know if we can get people to activate their accounts, their usage will go through the roof. And so we're always kind of tracking that for an employer to say, hey, you did good. You're going to probably be running at about, about this average usage level that's going to hit. You know, many, many of your people will use this. We predict X number in this year. Or we can tell, wow, you didn't, we didn't get as many people activated in that first month or two. And so we feed reports back to that employer to say, you might need to re-promote this. And mm -hmm. maybe we could do something for a special promotion. Um, hey, everybody, remember you've got this. Or last month when, um, when uh, middle of March, uh, all of a sudden everybody was saying, we're shutting down the country yeah. if you have access to telehealth. So we did a special mailing out to all of our members. And so for us, that's email is, is the other. So it's, it's one of the other factors is, does the employer give us access to the email addresses? Mm -hmm. So we do monthly drip campaigns to just teach about all our different services. And hey, remember the seasons are changing, your kids are going back to school, so here's some other things. Or this last month it was, okay, everybody remember, maybe you activated, if you did, remember you've got this. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, here's how you can activate. And we did it as an email because a lot of those people all of a sudden weren't going back to work. And the packet that did have the info in it was in the file at their office, right? Ah, uh, true. And so, for us, it's um, it's a good launch. It's do we have email addresses so that we can do our turnkey education out there, and um, uh, and and do they activate their uh, accounts? Awesome. Well, I want to ask, yeah. ask a question on that real quick to make sure we get to this, this piece that's important. I think um, COVID nineteen obviously has changed the telehealth game. You guys were already a telehealth company, so it wasn't like you had to drastically redesign your business. But with the stimulus package having, um, you know, no copay for companies that had copay for telemedicine, um, how long do you see that going on for people that say, "Hey, I got telemedicine now and it's free," but how long do you see that actually going on for people? Yeah, um, telehealth isn't free to provide. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's technology to 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 make it available. Uh, and to keep it secure. Physicians are getting paid for their time. Um, if the access is gonna be good and a smooth process, there's there's something of an administrative group of folks who are making that happen. Yep. Um, so although the government said, I we want health plans to make visits for coronavirus to be uh, no cost to people. And they said, and both telehealth and regular visits, now, that gets said at the federal level, and even if everybody around the room says, yeah, that makes sense, that should happen, it doesn't mean that the costs really go away. If you mm -hmm. go into the emergency room and you're getting tested for coronavirus and you're getting admitted because you have that, there's still gonna be a $20,000 average bill to treat you inside that hospital, mm -hmm. even if you didn't have any out-of-pocket costs on it. In the same way, the telehealth visits are occurring, the insurance company, the health plan, somebody along the way is eating those costs for now. 
Mm-hmm. Most of those insurance plans, when we get past the coronavirus window, are not going to keep eating that as a cost and just including it in the cost. Because all that's going to happen is, come to your next renewal, your medical insurance rates are going to go up that much more. And there's always a fight in the industry. As much as medical rates have gone up over the years, their incentive every year is to try to keep those rates down. And competition amongst the different insurance companies will say, hey, we, we need to have a, a lower price than the guy across the street. Um, and so there will, I believe, most of them will go back to having a visit fee of, say, $45 or something like that attached to their medical plan for a, for a telehealth visit. Okay, and that's, that's good to know that I think something I talk with clients about is cost containment by some of these, you know, charges you have on your major medical, um, I end up raising your, your plan renewal because you have these high utilization for nonsense. So have you seen that be a good strategy to kind of tell them to use fresh bennies for the telemedicine versus your major medical in order to keep utilization down for nonsense kind of things? There, yeah, for the employer who, smaller employers, they could have the worst cancer case or the worst heart surgery case in their health plan in a given year. And it's not gonna be the reason that their rates go up that year because small employers in all the states, their their rates are shared amongst a pool of other small employers. Right. And that's groups of 50 and below typically in most states. Um, and then you get, you get a little bit more where your actual results are much more closely tied to what your rate next year is on the way up to larger, mid-sized and larger employers who have what's called a self-funded medical plan where every single claim, if I go to the emergency room tonight, it's going to show up on, on our costs directly. Yep. So for those groups that are very responsible for their own claims, they're losing money if they don't have a Fresh Pennies membership. And although a Fresh Pennies membership costs, depending upon what set of services you get, maybe $12 or $10 per family per month, maybe less, depending upon which services are in there, um, then uh, um, the number of uses that we get on average across our whole block of business is so many times past the industry average mm-hmm. that uh, it far more than pays for itself. That's why I happen to know that our number, because we track it, uh, how many millions have we saved in unnecessary visits? Over $80 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, we, and so uh, it is very, very worth uh, an employer's time to install a program that includes these kinds of services. And it made sense before two months ago. Now under coronavirus kind of environment, you're looking at it, you're saying, what's our future going to be? Like, how long yeah. will we be telling our folks, don't go in... <laughs> to places where there's people who are sick, especially. I mean, we're telling people don't go to the grocery store if you don't have to, let alone don't go into the place that collects people who are sick, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's um, why pediatricians always have the sick side and the, the not sick <laughs> side. So you can't do that with a hospital necessarily to have, hey, only this West Wing. But that brings an interesting point that, you know, people have to use it like it's a must now. And for years, I mean, with telemedicine, a common question has been behavioral health. Um, the United States doesn't have very good access, in my opinion, for mental health or cost-wise, because most health plans aren't covering it in a high, high regard. So you mentioned the different levels of fresh bennies. So is behavioral health something that can be a part of the package? Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, we took many years just stabilizing the general practitioner side of telehealth. Mm-hmm. Like in the early days, it was just phone. And then yeah. about seven years ago, video started to be an option. So today it's phone or video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
and the general practice side of, of, of the care um, really got stabilized. And then we started to dabble into different specialty visits that could be handled this way. And so you look, there's sort of the low hanging fruit, the simpler visits in different specialty care. Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of the categories, one of the most obvious categories, and the first one that really has exploded is behavioral health. Because what is a behavioral health interaction? It's a discussion, mm -hmm. right? Most of the time, 80% of the time of, of, of visits, it's let's come in and let's talk through some issues that you're having. Mm. That can happen here just as easily over phone or video, literally exactly the same as sitting in their office, right? It isn't yeah. even like, like a doctor on, uh, I go in for a general practice visit, they might ask me, well, do you know your pulse or your kid's pulse or what's your temperature? You know, as they're trying to diagnose a flu or something. Um, they don't even need to do that for behavioral health. So behavioral health was really lending itself to that. And then the other is behavioral health visits, trying to get an in-person behavioral health visit um, uh, is about 30 days on average. If I wanted to get into a brick and mortar, that was before March. Um, and in some counties around the country, way longer because rural areas just didn't have as much access. And in the last few years, you look at the, the kinds of issues that have been driving up the demand for behavioral health just amongst the community. Um, we never saw so many mass shootings. We never saw so many uh, people who were uh, depressed. Um, issues around uh, financial stress, marital stress, these kinds of issues, uh, drug addictions, um, the accessibility of drugs. It's dramatically been growing in America. And so it's been driving up the demand in general. Mm -hmm. So telehealth visits about four years ago weren't even on the radar, even though there was a few vendors that were starting to make them available. Mm -hmm. And then three years ago, it started to have um, some effect. Last year was literally quadruple the number of visits being done on behavioral health from the year before. Man. And this year is more than quadruple the number of visits. It is the fastest growing category of telehealth mm. right up until now. And there was a study that actually just released this morning. I was thinking about it for today's visit. And it said that it was done um, two weeks ago. And it said, uh, it was asking Americans whether they uh, had an increased need for mental health issues. Like, was there, was there an increased um, behavioral health issues in their family mm -hmm. around stress or anxiety or, and we're dealing with what, 30 million people who don't have jobs right now? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let alone everything else that's going on. Right. And every parent is being told, oh, go be a teacher while keeping your job alive if you are working from home. Yeah. And, and, all, and by the way, you can't leave your, the walls of your house, you know? Yeah. Like it's just crazy in parts of the country, right? And mm -hmm. so it was literally said that 47% increase in the demand for behavioral health services mm -hmm. uh, showed up on the study from um, two weeks ago. And the study, and it was from a telehealth vendor, they had asked the question back in October or uh, November, and they said, do you think that some remote behavioral health visits should be part of your employer health plan? Mm -hmm. And 40% of the people said so. And I believe that. I mean, I have clients now that only have medical and they, they ask me for EAP programs just for depression. They just have right. one issue. And I'd imagine it'd be higher than 40%. I actually asked in the comments, I said, do you prefer going in person or at home? Uh, Marcello said in person. And I think some people might feel that way because it might validate it or legitimize it to say, oh, there's an office. 
you see the receptionist so it might seem like you're just talking to somebody when you're doing telehealth or therapy but i imagine like, my daughter goes to therapy and since covid came out they said hey can you do a televisit this time instead of coming in um they're actually throwing it out there as an option so yeah i think i mean if you guys are offering that that's i think that's huge because mm -hmm. america doesn't focus on it and it's kind of taboo so i think if you're able to do it from home it might make it less taboo that you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go in the other room for 30 minutes. Way less. Yeah. It being discreet, you don't have to tell anybody at work. It's not as big a deal. You talk about us guys, and our life has to be falling apart by the time we're in <laughs> on somebody's couch talking about our feelings, right? Yeah. But think about it. The ability to just, okay, I'm just doing this at home. It's convenient. Uh, instead of 30 day wait time, I can get, I can get a visit in seven days. Like mm -hmm. the accessibility is better and it's discreet. So in November, the stat said 40% of the people said they would like to have remote visits as a part of their uh, employee benefit plan. And two weeks ago, it said 79% of the country said this was important. Mm. So you can see that this is a trend line that was growing before telehealth was part of the solution. And now telehealth is just part of the obvious solution. Because you talk about some of the issues going on in families right now. Yep. Stress, anxiety, marital issues. You think about people that were... Like you said, somebody who was under treatment, but somebody who's under treatment for some addictive uh, habits or um, stress issues or anger issues, they, like you said, they're, they're being pulled into using telehealth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we used to have it as an optional add-on for a little bit more money. You can include the accessibility for behavioral telehealth and dermatology mm -hmm. visits. Um, and then um, we're just launching some new uh, bundles uh, here right now and it's become part of the core plan because okay. it's just it's just going to be part of the future and what we'll see in the future will be those low-hanging fruits maybe some of the follow-up visits or maybe some of the pre-visits that tie to all different specialties um, mm. we can completely foresee that coming in the future it'll just be a matter of enough people getting comfortable to be able to call in when they're you know, that mom who has her kid who's having their fifth ear infection. Mom knows what it is. You know, it's like with kids, right? You got yep. three, right? Yep. When when one gets an ear infection, they no kid ever has one ear infection. They get <laughs> 10 of them, right? Like, it's just this reoccurring thing. And by the time you get that fifth one, mom knows what it is. Yep. She also knows, oh, I have to go in because I got to get me some amoxicillin or I'm not showing up at work tomorrow, right? Yep. And and so that as we, if we can get people used to tele, telehealth here, on the simple stuff to the tune of a lot more folks then the ability then to just say well how much more of this system can we make we as an industry make smoother for patients to mm -hmm. be that much better awesome but, and, I, and i want to make sure people understand that first minis isn't just telemedicine i know we're talking about that heavily but um you'll see several vendors that are just telemedicine so kind of share Fresh Benny's everything that comes in or is potential to come into a package so they understand they can get one membership for several things. What all is part of the package? Yeah, right from the beginning, we saw that the biggest issue was, like I said, that when people try to actually use the system, they're feeling out of control. And so what we did was we went and looked for tools that help people get control of their healthcare. And yes, okay. telehealth and behavioral telehealth, um, those are two of them. The other one that's huge is um, we call it advocacy, but it's having somebody who can help you navigate the system. It's somebody who really, really, picture that your brother-in-law really knew their way around the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. And you can call them anytime you're having a challenge with it and say, you gotta help me on this one. And they go, got it. Now maybe that's not your brother-in-law. <laughs> maybe it's your brother, maybe it's your sister, I don't know. But 
that's the advocate that we have for you. So we have experts who, if you're wondering, who are the best quality physicians who are in my family practice that I'm going to send my kid to for this uh, new issue they're dealing with, or just a pediatrician or my general practitioner, uh, and having somebody who has national databases and 15 years worth of, of all these different data points on doctors to be able to say, here's the best quality doctors that are in your neighborhood, that are in your health plan, and guide you to them. Hey, you want us to help you get some appointments with them? Do you need uh, to know where the best, um, what's the best place to get a knee surgery in um, North uh, Atlanta that's in my plan? And could you help me coordinate that and figure out in advance? What's that gonna about cost me and out of pocket? Because that's the part we care about. Yeah. Or can you help me with a medical bill afterwards? And so like all of this stuff that ends up being some of the biggest pain points in the healthcare system, these advocates can be helped for. And that's their whole business is doing that and doing it well. So that's mm -hmm. our typical bundle. We'll have telehealth and advocacy paired together. And then we'll wrap it with some other services like some savings networks for some of the other expenses that sometimes pop out of your plan or fall between the cracks, whether it's um, pharmaceuticals or uh, dental services or vision services. So things like these glasses, you know, um, brand name glasses and, I saved 180 bucks two weeks ago, mm -hmm. got them at Target, and that was part of my uh, savings program here instead of uh, a vision plan. Um, or maybe orthodontia if your kid isn't covered under your dental plan, but um, you at least don't have to pay um, full retail for it. You can come through our network. So things like that. Um, or other services like uh, we're just adding a uh, vet telehealth program <laughs> hey. uh, as an option. So. Um, all kinds of other tools that help you just be more in control. So yeah. uh, uh, if somebody's an employer and they're looking at can, that, can they uh, provide that either for their employees who have a medical plan and they need to balance out bumping up the out-of-pocket costs, that's a, a very good option. I know you, in your practice, uh, you serve an awful lot of employers who, who don't have health insurance for their employees, right? Mm -hmm. um, half the employers who have less than 50 employees don't provide health insurance but it yep. doesn't mean you couldn't provide something as some benefits so for you know as little as uh six cents an hour or less you could provide some benefits like this it's not health insurance but let's at least get you people something and so that's available or um uh or it's available on an individual basis so yeah and when you put it that way i mean a lot of employers want to offer something i mean it's, it's rare that i met an employer that's like no i don't care i don't want to give them anything it's rare to do that because I mean when you think about the concept of a business your business is built on the backs of other people so you want to do something for them to kind of say hey I appreciate the service the hard work so all of them want to do something it's just a major medical model isn't geared towards less than 50 employees it's, it's a horrible game for them that goes up every year there's no concessions it's pretty much the rates the rate so a lot of them want to do it um, but quick comment we have from Steve Kaiser he actually put very good message so thanks, Steve. He's another broker out here in the Atlanta area. Um, hey. I want to make sure people just understand the importance of this. Because, I mean, I, I feel like when COVID kind of, whatever the calming down of COVID-19 is, um, I think people forget a little bit. And they'll be like, oh, that was just when the pandemic was going on. So to kind of bring it all home for people, you mentioned um, sinus infections, ear infections. Um, you mentioned the pet things or any other services that people commonly don't like to use that Fresh Benny's has that can benefit an employer to help them save time and money with their employees? Um, well, those are certainly some of the biggies. Um, we uh, we have some different 
some different uh, optional items that can end up in there, ID theft protection and, okay. and uh, legal savings, because those are some of the typical employee benefit programs that are available. Mm -hmm. And with us, they're all being delivered on one platform. So at least, you know, as an employee, you, you know, okay, I go to my Fresh Benny's app and all these services are included in there and it's and the delivery is there uh, in a very simple, um, practical way. Um, those are the biggest, those are the biggest wins. We like to start there and then, and then uh, grow beyond that. But, um, okay. Yeah, as we, you know, in today's environment, we basically are almost two months in where effectively the country shut down our healthcare system except for the most extreme situations, right? Right. And so there were a lot of folks who had services planned, colonoscopies, knee surgeries, um, certain types of cancer surgeries that weren't an extreme situation that had to be, that, that it was better to not put you at risk of being in the hospital than to go in for some of those services. So there were literally millions of services that were put on hold uh, right on about March 15th. Yep. You, you don't put brakes on an entire healthcare system like that <laughs> right. without like, basically every patient at that point would have felt like they were in the, the uh, and it feels like they were in the ambulance and they slammed on the brakes and they didn't have a seatbelt on and we all slammed into the window, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, what's going to happen here? You're right. We're going to get somewhere around the next side of this. The country's starting to open up in certain parts now, right? And say, okay, how do we ease our way back in? So some of these people will start to be re-engaged with the system immediately. Some might be months before they go back in for that yep. shoulder surgery, right? But all of a sudden, all these people that were slammed against the window and had to turn off their visit, they've done pre-visits and have paid for pre-tests, uh, pre-visits, et cetera, and are gonna need to turn that back on. That doesn't just happen automatically without millions of people needing some help navigating in the system. So that's where our advocates can help. That if somebody's a, a member with us, at least we can help get them re-engaged into the system. Mm -hmm. And you know, here's a prediction for next year. Uh, healthcare rates are going to go up again. And a prediction oh, yeah. for the year after, healthcare rates are going to go up again. And a prediction <laughs> for the next year, healthcare rates are going to go up again. And it just is a part of our future. So there's nothing about our future that's going to be simpler if people don't really get some ways to use these tools that are here to help them navigate the system better. So yeah, right now we're dealing with some very specific issues. The advocates in the last month or two have been uh, dealing with, hey, I got to shut off all these visits. Uh, can you help me um, cancel them? Put aside the put put some plans in place for when I'm going to re-engage on the system again. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm supposed to have a visit with my doctor, but my doctor's office is closed now. Where do I go? Can you help me find mm -hmm. somebody who will take me for a visit? You know, like all of this comes like this is immediate. Yeah. But on the other side of this, we need to re-engage with the system. Didn't it's not going to just immediately get simple again. I. I'm inside the system. I have been for 29 years, and I, I know that it's not as simple as as it should be. And we say, well, shouldn't there just be an app that just tells you all this stuff? <laughs> sure. Uh, there are so many of us entrepreneurs that have been trying to just have a simple app that solves every issue inside healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to Canada. They don't have a simple system. <laughs> they don't have a simple app for it there either. Let's break that down real quick. I wanted to ask you about that. You're one of the few people I've asked about healthcare that's Canadian and American. So Robert Mullen, Affordable Healthcare came out. There's always this battle of Canada has a better health system. Everybody has a better health system. So Canada versus the U.S. We're both going through COVID-19 right now. Which healthcare system is better if that's even measurable? 
Well, let me answer it without COVID being the issue. Yeah. And, but it has definitely been a, a debate for many years, right? And I speak on this all over the United States. And here's what I will tell you. Canadians are different kinds of people than Americans are. Canadians love their healthcare system, mm-hmm. but it is a very different culture than Americans. Canadians culturally, they, um, they're willing to wait their turn. They're willing to pay higher taxes so that when the day comes, they'll be taken care of. And um, they have a concern for their neighbor, uh, significant concern for their neighbor. And um, they're willing to wait their turn. And when I think of the Americans that I've met in the 28 years that I've lived in America, it doesn't hardly define any of us here that we're willing to wait our turn and trust that somebody <laughs> in the government is looking out for us better than ourselves. And it, and there, there are nuanced differences, but our values here in America are about freedom of choice, freedom to fail, freedom to succeed. And our entire system has been built on this freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Most Americans I meet don't want a one single health plan for the whole country. Yeah. Everybody I meet on everything, they say, well, okay, that's fine for somebody else. But for me, I want it my way, you know, and that's the freedom <laughs> of choice thing. But when you look at the European systems and you look at the Canadian system, they're built on that their core government run system is one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And that works for Canadians culturally. And I don't think culturally that works for most Americans. Yeah. And so although, uh, and then the other thing is, there's a lot of people who are running around saying, well, it's costing way less for them. Yeah, because there's so little options built in in some of those other countries. And there's a lot of things in Canada and in, in the European system. There's not one single system in the, in the, in the world, this government run system that includes as much as we include in our healthcare plan, mm-hmm. which is why our system costs as much as it does. No question, there's some efficiencies to be had in our system. Some of it's exactly what we were talking about here, which is telehealth and being smart about the way you engage the system. Yep. Overall, will cost the system less. So let's use it. Why are we even debating this, right? Like, let's just use these tools and and along the way, um, uh, the, the, at least the system here is a system that has flexibility for different people. I know there's a lot that's wrong with it. Yeah, I'm I mean, dealing with that and trying to solve that every day, right? You are yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, it's this this phrase came out: consumer-driven healthcare in 2013, when affordable healthcare was rolled out, and the hope was take more control of your healthcare, just like you do with Amazon or your grocery store visit. But it's almost become the opposite that people just say, "What's the cheapest? What's the cheapest option you got?" That's what consumer-driven became. Is mm-hmm. don't tell me what it means, just tell me the cheapest one. So I appreciate what you're doing to kind of teach people and help with that. I wanted to hit you with a sideways question. What's it like working with your wife running a tech company? That's got <laughs> to be different. So, I mean, you guys run a tech company together. She's, she'd like a couple of things on here. What's it like running a tech company with your wife? It's friggin' awesome. Uh, but but I know my wife, and it's awesome with her. Uh, when uh, when I, I, I told at the beginning the story that um, uh, I decided that I would go out on my own, it was actually from her prompting. She was there with ah. me that night. I was... I was trying to decide how should I tell, how should I repitch this idea of these consumerism tools to my existing company? She said, do you believe the numbers? And I go, yeah. She goes, well, what if the Affordable Care Act doesn't pass? I go, well, the system's still broken. It still needs some help. She goes, well, what if it does? I go, well, it's just going to change a little bit differently. It needs some help. She goes, well, why don't you do it? 
And so we decided together that we would take our savings and invest in that. And she stayed working and uh, joined me about two and a half years later. And she is extremely smart, um, hard worker, a great implementer. Um, there's a great business book out there uh, called Rocket Fuel. And it says when uh, it's this, uh, run by the, the, these guys who consulted with a lot of different companies. And what they found was that the best companies that are out there at the leadership of the company, you have one person who's a visionary who really is sort of that enthusiastic driver and full of new ideas. And then you've got one person who's an implementer who mm. can come alongside that person, actually implement into a great process, all of those ideas. And um, we uh, listened to it as an audio book together. We just kept laughing because uh, I'm the visionary, she's the implementer. And as a result, she's the greatest business partner that I could have. She's awesome to be in business with. Uh, biggest tip for those who are uh, couples or considering doing work with your spouse, and that is define your areas of work and um, <laughs> play in your lane. <laughs> That's important. It sounds like you're, the book you described sounds like the E-Myth. I don't know if you've heard of that book before. Yes, sure have. Uh, sure have. Pretty, pretty yeah. similar concept, but I, I wanted to ask you that because that's definitely you don't see too many tech companies that started out together that way. So kudos no. to you. And Heidi, thank you for helping this vision come to reality because I know it was a... Uh, it's probably interesting hearing an entrepreneur describe, I'm going to make this app with all this stuff in it. Um, that's got to be a hard conversation sometimes. So I'm glad she stuck with you. So I'm going to be mindful of your time. Um, we want to cut off here in a quick second. But for the people that you know want to kind of learn more about Fresh Bennies um, and maybe get it set up for their company, what's the first step for that? Well, um, obviously, freshbennies.com. So it's F-R-E-S-H-B-E-N-I-E-S. And uh, when you look at it, some you might look at it and say, oh, it looks like fresh berries or it looks like fresh beanies. We don't sell fruit. We don't sell hat. We, fresh, we sell a fresh approach to benefits. So freshbennies.com. Uh, and you can uh, get some good info there. Watch a video on the homepage. Uh, you can link right through there on the, on the reach out to us and we'll be happy to get you a proposal. Or if you're working with a broker and consultant uh, like Daryl or whoever your consultant is, uh, ask them to look into it for you and um, ask them to... Um, uh, get a proposal for you. So you can come straight to us. You can go to your consultant. Um, you can reach out to me. My email address is reed, it's R-E-I-D, at freshbennies.com. Pretty simple. And uh, we'd be happy to chat with you and let you know what um, how that might work for you. I love it. Well, thank you for teaching the people because, I mean, telemedicine's not going away. If anything, it's more woven into our lives than it was before. Uh, so thank you for being my first guest to wear a bow tie when I wore a bow tie. Thank you for that. <laughs> And folks, we appreciate the viewership. Um, share this with anybody that needs to learn about telemedicine, whether it's a broker or your HR professional, just to help them understand because some people still don't get it. And um, Reed and I trying to make sure people understand all the ways they can get care. So thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time on Business of Benefits. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Way of Life Group is an insurance firm dedicated to helping small businesses get the resources they need to grow, which includes employee benefits for any budget. Please check us out on LinkedIn for more information.